right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always, with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are P.S. This is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast, and this is episode 247, our special annual Halloween episode for 2022. And this is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS. This is awesome. And visit us on Twitter at PS. This is awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PSN, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jigsaw01. As always, you can write our show at PS. This is awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Make sure they know who your favorite podcasters are for PlayStation. And as a reminder, this is a video podcast as well. You can tune in and watch this show if you prefer on our YouTube channel. And if you did that, this really long intro song that I took all this time to write a couple years ago would have synced up perfectly with this really neat intro video I did for the show back in 2020 maybe. But we're bringing it back. And uh, new and or long-time listeners, we have a Patreon. You can support our show for $1 a month. The level is called the one and only $1 Club. So you can head over to patreon.com slash awesome, become a $1 patron, get your free die-cut vinyl sticker in the mail, and a shout-out on our show. And I just want to say, I know that can get kind of long, our big intro, and us kind of like pandering to everybody and saying, come support us. But there's a lot of bigger podcasts out there than ours, and uh, we just want you to know this is how you dial in to this gravy train of ours. This PlayStation train that ain't stopping, and we've been doing it for a long time. So thank you guys for tuning in today. This is a special Halloween episode. Jake, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good, considering it's early. I mean, it's not like that early. <laughs> You'd be at work by while, now if but... it was a weekday. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's nice nice weather this weekend again. I feel yeah. a little bit chilly, so I'm looking forward to being able to do some stuff outside maybe. Yeah, you and me both. Did you guys hand out candy this year? No, there's nobody within a thousand miles right. of us. So we did. I have a great uh, quick story before we get into games we're playing. How Halloween trick or treat night in where we live is always the Thursday before Halloween. So I did. I dressed up as Michael Myers. It was fan. I, I considered wearing it for the show today and pulling the mask off, but a um, little too much. Too too much theatrics for the podcast. But uh, it was a good time. And uh, we stood out front, and uh, Chelsea and I stood out front, and she had her friend over, and uh, we were all kind of just hanging around, had a couple drinks, and we were just passing out candy. But I looked, I started thinking about this. Like, I have a pretty good build for Michael Myers. Like, I'm six foot tall, and then you put that Wiley mask on, and he's got like the tufts of hair that kind of shoot out of the top and slick back. It puts another inch on, and then you wear the black boots. So I was probably about six, one and a half, maybe, with the, the whole getup on. And uh, had the coveralls on, and I looked really freaking scary. And um, there were some adults that like would walk up and just kind of apprehensively like walk their children up to me. And it's like, dude, it's Halloween. Like, what am I gonna do? Kill your kid in front of everybody? But there is something about the Michael Myers outfit in the costume that's just so creepy. And I think it's even if you don't know him from the Halloween series, the expressionless mask. It's just a fucking creepy mask. It really is. And uh, I can't put my finger on why. But uh, towards the end of the night, I wanted to go up to, like, the main drag, and uh, I said, Chelsea, just hang tight, um, hand out the rest of the candy. I'm going to go for a quick walk just amongst the trick-or-treaters. And first off, that's messed up for two reasons. Number one is because I didn't have a trick-or-treat bag, 
And I didn't have like a toddler or a kid next to me. So I'm just like this grown man dressed like Michael Wires walking around people. So I crest the hill by our house and there must have been like a motion detector light. And uh, as I get to the top of the hill, the uh, I hear it go and it kicks on and I'm just standing there. And I just got illuminated. I was in pitch blackness, and I got illuminated. I'm just standing with all these leaves coming down around me, and I have the fake knife, and I've got the mask. And I'm just kind of like – and there's like a, 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 a what I'm guessing to be a pretty chill, cool family like with blankets on, and they're sitting there like across the street in their like lawn chairs. And I hear the lady go, oh, shit. <laughs> and I just stood there, and I stared at them. And you can't say anything if you're in character. And they're just like, God, look at that. It's Michael Myers. And, then, and I just kind of like walked off. And then I got in the middle of Chestnut Street. And I started walking, and uh, all the trick-or-treaters were, like, on the sidewalk. And I could just hear people go, look, look. And I just stopped, and I did one of these. And I just stared, and you couldn't see my eyes. It was, like, perfect. And people were really freaking scared. And then and then I just kind of circled around, went back to my house. Not that I get my jollies out of scaring people, but it's ridiculous because I'm, I'm a pretty big wuss, and I hate confrontation. But when I was in this outfit... Man, people look at you different. Like, like they were like nervous to be around you. It's such a weird feeling, you know. I get it's Halloween, but like people were really kind of freaked out. Um, one dude walked up to me. He could easily have killed me if he wanted to, and he's a little shorter than me. And he was looking at me. He goes, "Man," he goes, "You got the height and everything." And he's just staring at me. And I just kind of stared back at him. And he kind of walked, sauntered off. He's like kind of freaked out. <laughs> Anyways, I had fun at Trick or Treat. I love Halloween. Um, might be why we have such a ridiculous Halloween episode. But uh, did you guys do anything for Halloween? Did you guys do anything fun? Nope, not even a little bit. Watch some movies? Anything? <clears throat> no, we watched the Hellraiser, the new Hellraiser movie last mm-hmm. weekend. It was bad. I, I I I guess I should I should uh maybe don't say that it's bad. Yeah. So much as it's not nearly as good as the original, which is a bummer. Yeah. Because the original is – what the fuck is going on here? Sorry, my, my computer is being an asshole. Um, it's just – they changed a lot about it and I, I don't know. that The whole thing about the first Hellraiser movie, the original, was that what made the movie fucked up – was not the Cenobites. I mean, the Cenobites were like scary and they were like a like a tool for horror. But the reason that movie was so fucked up was because of the human characters in the movie. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've never seen Hellraiser, but, man. I've never watched it. I'm a big horror person, but I, I don't know if I can. You can take that title from me now because I've never seen Hellraiser. But uh, the the first one is so fucked up because there's like. There are like human characters that are fucked up in it, mm-hmm. and it's just the Cenobites just kind of they kind of I don't know they just kind of enact the the things that the people are doing mm-hmm. almost, and so and it, it's like a much smaller atmosphere. It all takes place in this one house mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's some stuff at the beginning and the end, but like generally, it all takes place in this one house, and it's re- like really creepy because it's like a family and they're going through this. And whereas, like this movie is like, it's almost like the the teen horror version of Hellraiser oh, or something. Like it's, and I 
I mean, it is really mature. Like, it deals with a lot of shit like addiction and stuff like that. Is It plays a big role in it. But... I don't know. Yeah. It's it was just it was just too much. They they took they there there was like a, a, a like something of at least the way that I originally appreciated the movie. There was like an element to it that they just completely missed with the new movie. And uh I mean like the you know the graphics were cool and all that kind of stuff and there were some really neat elements like Hellraiser-esque elements into it. Um but it was just – it wasn't for me. Sarah didn't really, like it, didn't really like it either. It was too long. Like I think that sometimes horror movies can be too long. Yeah. If it's more if it's more than like an hour and a half, it's like too long for a horror movie. Yeah. In my opinion um, – because if, if, if a movie stays – sticks around long enough, it's just – it stops being kind of scary. You just kind of get saturated. <laughs> but uh, – Desensitized. Other than that, I mean we don't – I mean, we don't really ever do anything on Halloween. When we lived in town, we would do trick or treat and stuff, and that was always really fun. Yeah. But out here, we don't we don't get any trick or treaters, and so we just kind of hang out. I mean, la- so I mean, that was last weekend we watched that movie. This this weekend, I mean, last this today's Saturday, so it's not technically Halloween until what Monday? Yeah, Monday the thirty first. Um, yep. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Sarah, Sarah's going to town to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show tonight, so cool. she's doing something kind of Halloween. Yeah, that'll be it's fun. Not really my bag, so I'm not going with her. She's going with her family. Yeah, but I, uh, I'll probably just play video games. You're just to be stay with home you. and like power up the new <clears throat> Village DLC or something. My Halloween <laughs> is usually. Uh, defined by like cleaning up leaves yeah yeah and so like that's probably what i'll do today (laughs) yard work yeah very well man yeah it's 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 a shame when horror movies don't live up to their originals but it's so hard sometimes when they're classics like that i know the halloween ends i wasn't i wouldn't say that it sucks but it was definitely a, a divergence from what we want from michael myers and and halloween movies you know what i mean like they, they try, again it just tried it outsmarted itself like it doesn't need to be this sprawling narrative like you don't fucking need that you know well that's kind of what you know my thing my whole opinion was with the hellraiser movies it's like if this movie was standalone and didn't have a legacy right it's probably it's a fine movie yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean but what it's inspired by or what it's rebooting in my opinion is just a better film yeah fair but enough. that's just my me that's just me personally fair enough man but then again you think you think about something like like uh halloween for example that first movie he he invented some of like the like this like what we consider now stereotypical movie sh- like shots yeah. like cinema yeah. shots and you can see that in the first Halloween movie, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and say the first Halloween movie is good. No. It's really not no. that good. The Halloween movies really aren't that great, but the character of Michael Myers is, I would say, scarier than Jason and Freddy combined. Um, there's just I don't know about there's that. There's something super scary about Michael Myers. Right? I did, I did really, th- I, I mean, I haven't, I only watched it once a long time ago in the theater, but I felt like the 
the Rob Zombie reboot was actually pretty scary. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, I don't Halloween. know if I saw it. I, I've seen so many. I don't know which ones I've seen and haven't seen at this point. I I really, you know, even though Halloween H2O had a big story storyline to it, I, I kind of appreciated that movie um, looking back. You know, I think in the moment I wasn't like super sold on it, but I, I liked it. And uh, it's way better than the Halloween ends for sure. Halloween Kills was pretty good, I thought. I think that was kind of fun. Um, anyways, we're just talking about the newer ones. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Played by Ken because he was my Michael Myers uh, brother of another mother uh, during Halloween. He sent me his Michael Myers getup. I think it was on Twitter or something. And uh, I love it. I love it. You looked great, dude. Uh, keep this beard alive. Um, but uh, there wasn't really any any feedback or anything really from our last episode. Um, so, you know... I, Short of myself and all the Michael Myers out there embodying the personification of evil, Jake, we should talk about some games because I think it's going to be a longer podcast. And there's a section in here that I don't know that we're going to be able to do. I don't know if you played the game yet or not. But we promised the listeners our top five Halloween games. Let's get this out of the way because we have a review for The Evil Within 2 from Sean. And uh, we have a ton of uh, other things. We're supposed to be doing a Hot Wheels Unleashed conversation. Did you play that game at all? Uh, no, I thought we were doing that next okay, week. Okay, so we'll save the fine. Hot Wheels Unleashed for next week. And then we have a ton of news still. Um, so what I want to do is get right into the thick and meat of the conversation before we get into the news and all that other garbage. Um, but first, we need to talk about games we're playing. I'm still playing Plague Tale Requiem. This game is fan-fucking-tastic. Love it. 100% love it. It's so good. And uh, I did yesterday purchase the DLC for Village. And I can't wait to dive into that. And I've been playing Hot Wheels Unleashed. Jake, are you still playing Deathloop? Or are you through that? Uh, Yeah, actually, I haven't had a chance to play much this week. Okay. So I'm... Not a whole lot farther than I was last week playing playing Deathloop. Uh, I did, like I said, I did download uh, Plague Tale, but I haven't. I mean, I, like I said, I haven't really hardly played anything. And, dude, I... Oh! For whatever reason, still, this game has been out for a year. And it still fucking bothers me that... People call Resident Evil 8 Village. And I know that's why. That like they, they did that on purpose. But I just – there's something about it. Because like to me, it's it's a fucking stupid name. The naming convention. So, yeah, so right. like it's like it like Resident Evil 8, is, as mundane as it is, is a better name than Resident Evil Village. People just call it that. They, they literally use the name Village because it fits with like the letters of the Roman numeral 8. And I someone was getting tricky and, and clever, but I digress. It, uh, but yeah, I haven't really hardly played much at all. all right. Deathloop is still still awesome. I, I'm I'm getting to a point where like I can start blasting through the the game because there's like the way that the game works is that you you find all these clues and stuff as you're going around mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. during every loop and it kind of unlocks things. And you have the ability to, like, skip time if you want to, like – because you can only do certain things at certain times a day. So let's say, like, 
you're at the the noon phase, but you want to do something that you can only do at the mo- in the morning phase. You can skip time until the next loop. You don't have to play through the rest of the day. You could start over, and if you and you and the whole point of like infusing all your weapons and stuff is that the stuff you infuse you get to keep for your next loop. So I'm at a point now where I can just start kind of like skipping through shit and like completing some of these uh, clues that I have to kind of clean up. And I don't know. I'm hoping to be done with it yeah. in the next week or so. Yeah, you got to move on. You just... spent too much time with Deathloop. It's time to move on. <laughs> I know, but I, I, I can't play anything else. If I play anything else, I won't finish yeah, it. I get it. So I I, I'm really bad with games that way. I have to play one thing at yeah. a time. I'm on chapter 11 of Plague Tale Requiem, and I think there's 17 chapters. So, like, holy shit, this game is long. It's definitely worth $60, hands down, no doubt about it. Um, I think it's like, I think I heard it's like, 20 or 25 hours long, really good. something like that. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's interesting. Like, in the first game, you don't really meet many other characters. In this game, you meet a lot of different characters, and they, they jump on and jump out, jump out of your story at different points, and it's it's really kind of enjoyable. It keeps things fresh. Um, so, anyways, yeah, let's let's talk about our Halloween, top five Halloween games. Jake, I think the way we, we should probably do this is uh, buried in this section of the show uh, we're going to have my top five and your top five in order from fifth to first, but we're going to alternate, right? I'll give you my fifth. You give me your fifth. Oh, I didn't, I didn't rank mine. Didn't? I was just going to give like five, like five games. Okay, yeah. that's fine. I kind of ranked mine. I kind of ranked mine. So I'm going to – I'll kick things off. And now this is a cheap shot because it's not even a full game. But if you have it and you have access to play this thing, it was creepy – now, let me just preface also, this isn't, like, based on the most holy shit, shit your pants, scary games. This is just, like, games that, like, I think people should be playing this time of year or trying to play these time of year. Halloween games, maybe spooky-themed. Um, but this one was, was holy shit, shit your pants, scary, and it was the PT, the playable trailer. This thing has gone down in history. It's not a full game. I still can vividly remember the hallway in this game, and I probably had only spent about an hour in it, um, ever. It's on my PS4 still. You can't get it anywhere else. I heard that they jailbroke something so that you can still somehow get this game on something. I don't know. But this game is really freaking creepy. And uh, anytime there's a scary game where there's a phone that just rings and it shouldn't, um, it's just creepy. I don't, I don't, I, you know the trope, you know when it happens, but it's always kind of scary. And uh, just the the scary girl in this game going down into the cellar and then re- it like resets you back to the beginning and then the paintings start changing and the fucking chandelier and like I can the wallpaper kind of peeling up, dude. This game is just a trailer. It was a Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro were going to get together and make this game. It got canceled, but they released this thing called PT and it's the playable trailer and they just dropped it and. Uh, just about as soon as it showed up on the PSN, it got yanked from the PSN. So if you downloaded it and it's on your system, you can have it and keep it. But if you never had a chance, you'll never get to play it. But, dude, did you ever play this? I don't know that I ever finished it, but I did play it. So I did play creepy. it for, like, the first half hour of it or something like that. <laughs> I think it was going to be, like, a Silent Hill game. But then all that stuff happened between Kojima and Konami, and yeah. he left the company, and this game just got put in the put in the closet basically right in the poop because konami owns silent hill so now we did 
talk a little bit last week about how they're starting to bring back Silent Hill a little bit, which is cool. But I can't imagine that. Um, I can't remember the name of the developer now. That's I'm not the sure either. But uh, couple, I but I can't imagine that they're going to do something as interesting and creepy as what Ko- Kojima could have done. But I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I I have it installed on my PS4 still. So I I once they took it down, I never uninstalled it yeah, from my PS4. I. I just left it on there forever, and I figured that like my PS4 will probably go in a closet and it'll be there forever with PT installed on it. And if I ever want to like go back and play it, at least I can pull out my PS4 and do that. But yeah. I would I would hope that that maybe someday, just because like this would be actually like a real like a a really good thing to do for the fans would be for Konami to like re-release that trailer. Like even if they're not going to make the game oh, or whatever, man. they could just say like they could just say like you know. Do even if it's like a limited time thing where it's like they like re-release it so you can play it just during Halloween or something. Like it would be kind of a cool thing for them to do to sort of feed the audience a little bit. Dude, people really liked it. They could probably get away with charging for it too, like five bucks. You know, yeah. it's like just free money they're leaving on the table. People really enjoyed that experience, and, and I think like. It's one of those things where it's like if you turn around three times to your left and one to your right and then you walk backwards to the first door and then crouch and, and scooch forward like something crazy fucking triggers. It's like one of those things where like just random shit was happening in that in that hallway and no one knew what was what was causing like the, the, the freaking bathtub in the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. Dude, there's just some vivid imagery. Now, speaking of Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, for those who don't know, he has a, a a bunch of shorts on Netflix, and it's called The Cabinet of Curiosities, which is interesting because there's actually a podcast by Aaron Menke called that, which I love to listen to. I'm surprised he didn't get into trouble over the title, but I don't know if you can copyright that or whatever. But he's doing – I saw a trailer for Pickman's Model, which is an H.P. Lovecraft short story, and I really want to watch these uh, short uh, vignettes or whatever they are. On Netflix, I hear they're, they're it's Guillermo del Toro. It's got to be fucking good, you'd think. Anyways, Jake, what's your what's your? Uh, give me a game. Give me a Halloween game that's on your list. So, I don't know how many people played this, but it's in my opinion, it's really fucking good, and that's the game Soma. Dude, it's on my list. Yes. Yeah i i uh, I kind of was wondering if maybe you would have this game because mm-hmm. it is it's made I, I believe it's made by the same people that did like the Amnesia games, which were like you know back in the day on PC and stuff were considered to be really scary games. But this is a game that takes place in like a like an underwater lab, mm. and you're just trying to figure out what the fuck happened. Like no, there's nobody there, but there's all these like machines and shit running around, and like. You have no way of fighting back or anything, and you're just trying to figure out how to get off of this, like get out of this lab or whatever. And there's all this like really, you could you could say that this game is more of a like a thriller than like a horror like game, a but game. it is le- but it's legitimately spooky. I mean, a lot of the why the reason why I say about the whole thriller thing is that like a lot of the impact that the game has is is not is not based upon like being scared by something so much as like 
the shit that happens to the character and like finding out what he has to do to get out of the the this city or this underwater lab or whatever yeah. like and I I don't want to say what it like say anything more than that because it like kind of spoils it a little bit but it's uh developed and published by Fritz It's really good. Yeah. 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 And uh I I played this because I'd heard maybe it was pretty good or whatever and but I just and I was bored one time so I just decided to play it and was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I will say this, don't if you, if you google Soma um there is a uh uh a bra company called Soma and that's the first thing that came up when I searched Soma. It was like ladies garments and I was like that's not very scary. And then you had to type Soma game, and then it, Soma Intimates, I think, came up first, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, Soma is actually on sale right now for uh, five five ninety nine on Steam, I think. It has a uh, – it's got a 10 out of 10 on Steam and a 8.1 out of 10 on IGN. Um, Google users, 94% liked it. It was released in 2015. Windows, OS X, Linux, PlayStation 4. And Xbox One on December 1st, 2017. So, yeah, man, what a great game. Good pick. That actually was my number four game. So that was my next one. So, Jake, why don't you give us your number four game? Um, okay, like I said, I didn't rank these. Well, that's so all right. Give me another game. Like, you don't want to go because I just, I just gave one. Yeah, but I mean, I that was one of mine, so I only have three left. You don't, you don't have, you don't have any extras. Yeah, I've got no, I don't have you any. Didn't, you didn't fucking come prepared for this podcast. I'll give an extra, expecting since, there to be since we rolled since we rolled doubles. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll give a a stand in for Soma, and and I will say the Evil Within was a fantastic game. So I'm just gonna the first one. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go Evil Within one. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, you let me borrow it. It was a really interesting. It was a, kind of like a mind. A mind bender. You weren't really sure what was even going on half the time. Um, the city scenes were really cool when you got into the city towards the end. It was just really bizarre. Some of the combat was really tough. Um, you know, the survival aspects of it. It was it was difficult, and it was a very resource management. I felt like like the bullets and like make sure you had like ammo and stuff. And I liked that about it. It seemed pretty generous with the save points. Uh, I liked the Evil Within one. And uh, we're going to talk about Sean's review of The Evil Within 2 here after we go over this section. So more about The Evil Within um, in the future here on the show. But that would be my stand-in for Soma, I suppose. Since you so the Evil, Within, what, the, the Evil Within, the first one, was on my list. And it's one of those oh, things God, where, like, I, I know, I know, I mean, I have a bunch of extras, okay. so I, I'm prepared. Um, the... The thing is, is that The Evil Within 2 is one of those games where I think a lot of people prefer the second game, mm. but I personally think the first game is better. All right. um, I think that it's a tighter experience. It's a little bit more creepy because you really don't know what's going on, and you don't really know what's real and There's what's no not. Rules. Yeah. Whereas, like, in the second game, it just, like, goes full send on the, the fucking you know, that machine that he gets into that like, it's like the matrix machine where like his mind goes inside of it or whatever the fuck it is. So like the second one is a little bit more just off the wall. Yeah. And to me that kind of took away a little bit from like the, 
the thing that was kind of cool about the first one, which was there was a little bit of a like you don't know what's real and what's not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really liked it. It was like this basically a spiritual successor to uh, the third person Resident Evil games. It was directed by Shinji Mikami, who I think was the director of Resident Evil Four. Uh, and and it did a fantastic job. I thought it was a very good game. Cool. Um, so my next game, I'm just like looking at my list here. And maybe we'll just get this one out of the way because I know you haven't played it. Um, is Dead Space. Mm. And mm. I know we've talked about it recently on the show quite a bit because it's been in the news. And I kind of already sort of teased that it was going to be in the podcast. But um, in my opinion... Dead Space, the first Dead Space game, could be argued to be, could arguably be the best survival horror game ever made. And I know that, you know, you're going to have camps of people who are going to argue about certain Resident Evil games and, and stuff like that. But the the first dead space in my opinion is just one of those games that took the formula that was defined by resident evil and then just like took it to another level. Mm. And the fact that it's set in space and the environmental storytelling is so good in this game, just kind of like, um, Bioshock and how like Bioshock, the environment tells so much of the story. The same thing happens in dead space where the Ishimura, which is the ship that you are on, that you're investigating, it tells so much of the story through the environment and through like kind of like the logs and stuff that you find rather than the game just like dictating to you what's going on. Right. And it's it's very neat. There's a lot of there's a lot of cre- like really creepy shit in it. Like these there like a lot of the um I don't know what they what they call the enemies in this game but they have like imagine like a person but like their their body like explodes with appendages that are really sharp and shit and they have these weird like the weirdest ones are like the ones they make out of babies which are like these they're like these little things that like crawl around and they have these tentacles that fucking fly all over the place and they're just it's just like really creepy Mm -hmm. And, they, and, it, and it adds this mechanic of dismemberment. That's like how you kill the enemies is dismembering them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I know I, if I'm not mistaken, you have not played this game. so Right, so it couldn't have been yeah. on my list. And we should preface our list with these are the games that we've personally played, right? There's probably others out there that are awesome. Like I've got my eye on that, move, that, that game called The Chant. I don't think that's out yet, but that might be on my list next year. We'll see. But yeah. These are just games that I have experience with and you have experience with personally, so. Right. All right, cool. So anyway, what's your next game? Yeah, so I wanted to bring something new to the table, a newer release. And uh, you guys know I like camp. You guys know I like slashers. So I'm going to throw the quarry on here. Um, I think it's a good one. I think this game uh, creates a scenario that you can enjoy with other people scary game kind of thing and a lot of these games aren't co-op a lot of these scary games are very singular you sit down they get in your brain and you just kind of like you're fucking in it by yourself right and then so the cool thing about the quarry is is that it's very slasher like it's almost like a whodunit at the same time like you're trying to figure out like what's going on not like a who did it but like 
like what is the threat? You're trying to figure out what the threat is. You know that people are getting killed. You don't really know. You know that there's something going on. Something is amiss at the quarry, but you don't know. And that adds a whole fun. So if you play it through, first playthrough will probably be enjoyable from that perspective. And then it offers multiple perspectives because of the changes of uh, – the outcomes can change, and then you can also just watch the freaking thing like a movie. So, what better during Halloween or whatever? If you don't have a scary movie you want to watch, you can just put the quarry on and dial in who you want to die, who you don't want to die, or you just say "surprise me" and just watch the story unfold. And uh, it's really good. This is a really cool game, and I it had to make my list because number one, it was really innovative in that regard, and then number two. Uh, you know what? I had heard that this was going to be a uh, Google Stadia game exclusive or something, and there's some rumors about that. Now I don't know the validity in that, but it ex- if that's the case, it explains some of the jankiness of the game. But all in all, man, I you know people keep holding this up. There, uh, uh, the other game that they did that was uh, put them on the map, so to speak, was the uh, I have it on here. It, this is the Dark Pictures Anthology Company. Um, the the other game they had was Until Dawn. And it was kind of interesting. You know, that game was kind of interesting. But I really think that, like, you know, it's a rose-colored glasses situation. I'm not saying that Until Dawn was bad by any stretch. But I also don't think that the quarry's worse. I think it's just as good of a game as Until Dawn. Um, I don't think it does anything necessarily better. It's just different. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of people gave uh, – gave, gave, I forget the title of the game company. But um, a lot of people gave them guff uh, because they were like, oh, you know, m- maybe uh, Until Dawn was the exception, you know, and they can't really make another good game. But I've enjoyed the Man of Badan stuff and the Dark Pictures anthologies. I enjoyed the quarry a lot. I think the acting's fun. You know, there's always like they nail every little tropey thing in the quarry. Like for example, this is uh, you know you've got all your different generalized characters. You know, you kind of have the jock, you kind of have the nerd, you kind of have the mysterious person. You have like the slutty chick, you have like the nerdy chick, you have you know all these different people, and then you got the camp counselor, is David Arquette, which is awesome, and then you have like you know uh, these other mysterious people at the quarry that show up and it's all of those things and then you have the weird things so there's like a potato chip or something in this game that like the jock guy really likes and they're out looking for like a way to have fun that night and this is very minor spoilery it's it's really nothing and he finds a bag of chips and he's trying to tell like the hot girl he's after like oh you got to try these these things are awesome and he's like kind of a cool dude but he's kind of kind of a nerd too and uh, he's trying to impress her and stuff. And uh, she's like, what are you talking about? Those are probably expired. And he looks at him and he goes, hey, it doesn't even matter. He goes, these are peanut butter butter pops. And she's like, what? And he goes, and he sings the song for this fake chip company. Um, and it's like, uh, it, it, and he says it like this. He does this weird fucking dance. So they add comedy. And the song's like, uh, pop, pop, peanut butter butter pops. Pop, pop, pop them in your mouth. And he does this fucking dance. So, like, when they re-release this new campy trailer for The Quarry, they threw that little song in it, and it was just kind of fucking creepy. And I was like, oh, man, this is such a cool little world they made. I love The Quarry. I thought it was good. Um, If you're interested at all, 
I would honestly say uh, it's I'm not I'm not offended to have paid full price for it, but if you're not sure, wait till it gets to like 40 bucks or something. I didn't pay full price. I got it on a deal. I think I got it for like 48 bucks or something. Anyways, it's on my list. I'm still kind of jazzed about it. I'm glad that we have another campy horror game that's not shitty. So I liked it. Cool. Yeah, I, I've heard people had some opinions about the uh, the quarry versus Until Dawn. People liked people like I think generally people seem to prefer Until Dawn to the quarry, but. I think that as long as it's like in the same spirit and they don't completely fumble the ball, yeah. like it can't really be that bad. As long as the the story and like the narrative is relatively decent. I mean, it's campy. It's not going to be like a good story generally, right. right? But it'll be entertaining, and that's all that really matters. Yeah. But but I think that like the the thing the real win for that game is the movie mode. I think that that's so fucking cool. I agree. I I never played it, so I don't really you know I, I'm interested in it. and I haven't played it yet, but I do think that 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 fucking movie mode idea is such a cool thing, and I wish that all of these like narrative, you know, practically point and click kind of games would just have that in it because it would be kind of a neat thing to be able like imagine if you could do. You know, like Uncharted, Telltale's from the Borderlands, but like a movie mode or something like they that. They need to have. You know like, what I mean, like it would be, it would be cool. Yeah. So, just clarification on how the movie mode works is that I would imagine, based on your choices, different cutscenes appear. There's a lot of there's a lot of like cutscenes with talking and stuff where you make the decision, right? It cuts to your character, and then as a player, you pick what you want them to say or how to respond, um, and that furthers the story. So in a lot of the in-between shit, like walking around and like finding things or finding like the the bottle rockets or whatever, you know what I mean? All of those seem to be followed up by some sort of mini cinematic. So like let's say uh, you had as a gamer, you have to go find behind a pile of logs like this audio tape recorder, right? If you don't find it, you don't get the cutscene where he picks it up and he's like, oh, and he hits the button, right? You just don't get that. So the way they do the movie is, is they put all of these pieces in play by just streaming the cutscenes together. And it's coherent and it works. So it could be mm. argued that you don't even need to play this fucking game. Um, you know, it, the story stands on its own. I actually think that it... It's probably honestly more entertaining to watch than to sit and play because then you're constantly challenged with like, what should I say? What should I do? Who should I go try to save? Who should I, you know, because then, then that's part of the game, right? But like, it's almost more enjoyable just to let it play out and just sit back and watch it, honestly. Because I get, yeah, I get fatigued from trying to figure out how to make everybody live or how to make everybody, you know, whatever. Like, you're like, what if I, what if I fuck up? And they also did a thing. In this game, and then we'll move on to the next game because I know we're talking a lot about it. But they did this thing where after your first playthrough, they give you a uh, a rewind feature on your next playthrough. Um, you get three of them. So if you make a bad decision that ends up killing somebody or having an outcome that you don't like, you can dial it back before that decision and try the other thing. But you can only do it three times in a playthrough. I think that's fucking genius. That's awesome. All right. That's really cool. Next game. Jake? Next game. Oh, freaking phone turned off. Um, sorry, I, have, I had my list on my phone here. So 
He's not prepared, guys. <laughs> right, Shots I'm fired. Not for this. I'm not prepared for this fucking game. So in this the game. same spirit, says we'll we'll keep the theme going here. Yeah. I would say that arguably not only one of the best horror games of all time, but probably the best game in that genre of all time, which is season one of The Walking Dead. Ooh. And I so if you've if you've played the quarry or until dawn but you haven't played the walking dead it's the same style of game right you're you're doing some basic kind of walking around but generally the whole game takes place in conversations and making conversational choices and <coughs> you know choosing there's some QTEs and stuff like that in there but this is the first um and quite frankly uh, best telltale game I ever played and it was essentially they did what four seasons no, they might the have Walking done Dead more five? they did a Michonne but, spinoff series they did but they did well they did spinoffs right but I'm talking about the Clementine stuff they they did like four seasons with her I think Something, four or five four or five I think and uh, so the season one is a story of Lee Everett who it's like stereotypical you know end of the world zombie apocalypse type beginning he like comes to and like the fucking world is falling apart and all this shit and he finds this little girl in a named Clementine hiding in a treehouse from the zombies and her parents are dead and so he basically takes her under his wing and the whole the whole thing is just about them trying to survive yeah and the game is so it's so like the the story between Lee and Clementine is super touching and then there's like just incredible story elements with Kenny and his wife and and son duck, duck. um it gets the characters heavy at times. are just yeah. this yeah the characters are just so good the game just makes you feel so bad but it's uh but it makes you feel good at the same time i mean i remember the end of that the end of that the season or episode five, the end of the first season, just being like so just kind of bummed out for Clementine and like what was happening. And, and it's, uh, I don't know. It's just so good that the game is janky as shit. It runs like fucking ass. Not anymore. At least, at least on PS3 yeah, it did. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it, it probably runs better now. Yeah, it does. But, uh, I would argue, and I know you've played this. One thing that I do kind of ha- – the one complaint I do have about these Telltale games is that it annoys the fuck out of me that all you have to do is finish the finish the season and you get a platinum trophy. Yeah. Like it's just like it, – it, it, it's like they, they almost – they started the easy platinum trend, which is – but at least they made a good game. I don't know. Yeah. You still any, had to any earn additional it in opinions that about it? You had to see it through. Well, you had, to beat, you had to beat it, right? You had to get all the way through the story, which I guess is cool. But – um yeah, I don't know. I loved it though. Did you have any additional thoughts about it? Yeah, I think the definitive, the Telltale definitive uh, uh, series of The Walking Dead is is available, and it's it's re rendered, and it was uh, um, taken on by uh, Robert Kirkman's uh, video game company. I forget what they're called. And Skybound. What's that? Was it Skybound? Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a the best version of this now is available, and it's not going to get better than the version that they're selling. And uh, I have it, and I, you know, while you do like season one, and I would agree that I mean it was really 
when this came out, it was it was at the forefront. It was a trailblazer. It was like one of the first things I'd played like this, and it was episodic. So you were waiting for the next the next episode to come out online so you could buy it and play it, right? And that was like brand new at the time, it seemed. So I really liked that about this this game. And then when season two was announced, I was all in. I know you kind of fell off, Jake, but I was still in. And I've played them all except the final season. And I bought the definitive edition. And I was streaming them last year or two years ago. I got through all of the first season. I stream. I have live streams of me playing through them. And then I, I was doing an episode uh, a week or something. And then I, I played the 100 Days, I think was what it was called, which is like a side story that brings new characters in for the second season. And then I started playing the second season. And then, dude, honestly, like I need to get back to this because I need to finish this whole story because I've gotten through all four seasons, but the last one I've not played. So I'm glad mm. you brought this up. It's a good reminder to me. That I just need to fucking plow through. And what I was trying to do was play from the beginning to the end so I could keep current, like, the, the all the things that happened and keep a running line, you know? When I bought the Definitive Series, it didn't import all my decisions from the previous games. So I wanted to have a cohesive story for my for my playthrough. So we'll see. Good choice. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I did fall off on – I did play the – I think it's 400 Days is the okay. – that that interstitial that they did between season one and two, I don't know. I I just fell off on season two. I it didn't. You know, I know that they, there's the big reveal like towards the end of season two with a character that comes back and like, and I don't know. I I don't know if it was just that I was. It was like the 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 magic kind of left. This might be a personal problem of mine because I, I mentioned the same thing about the Evil Within versus the Evil Within Two. <laughs> um, I have this. I have a similar issue with like Doom Twenty Sixteen versus Doom Rose Eternal. Like all the games he plays. Like I think that Doom Eternal is a better game, but Doom Twenty Sixteen I like a little bit more because I just like the atmosphere of the game a little bit better. Yeah. It's a little less arcadey. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's a amazing yeah. game. Well, we're going to give a listen so to your the next, next one podcast this time because we're not even through the top five games. Um, my next game, and this one, dude, was was a free plus game and uh, I would not have bought it. But I stand almost firmly that this is probably one of the scariest games I've ever played. Outlast. And dude, this game fucked with me. And uh, it was at the point where I was getting like anxiety playing the game. And uh it's like a, a game where you, it's a survival horror. Oh, you know, there's another game I should have put on here. Well, maybe I will. But there's a it's a survival horror game, and you just have the camera, right? And the battery life on the camera, it's a video camera, and it has night vision mode. And you're just fucking going through this asylum or something. And, like, I don't even remember exactly. I just know – I remember it was at our old apartment. Chelsea was gone for that week. And I was like, I'm going to freak myself out and play a scary game. Dude, it was – like I had trouble booting it back up because like it caused such anxiety playing this game. Like, but to get through it was so so enjoyable. But they really fucked the ending. But so it loses points yeah. on the ending. But the experience was great, and I have Outlast Two downloaded because that was also a free game. And I, I'm curious to dive back into it, but I haven't. And I think there's. A new Outlast thing that just got announced recently. But if you have not played the first Outlast, it's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, out, the first Outlast, that it's basically the whole experience is you kind of running away from 
these fucking people. Like, I, I don't even know how to describe them. You're like in this asylum and there are all these like people that are like mutilated it's and shit and they're like, in there and, like chasing God. you around and they have that cool feature where you, you've got like the – you use the night vision on your camera, your camcorder to be able to see through the dark and like your batteries will die. So you got to like change the batteries and stuff. There's no combat. Like you can't fight back, can only which hide. is really interesting. Um, there, but, but like you said, I mean the ending of that game totally fucking ruins it. Yeah. Which is really disappointing because other than the last five minutes, the game is so good. <laughs> yeah. It's All amazing. the way to the end. All right, Jake. What's your what's your next one? Um, so uh, I've been kind of holding off long enough here. I think comes a, I'm going comes to Evil, I'm calling it bring up a, a Resident Evil game. Yeah, I'm going to specifically mention. I think I'd be I think I'd be loath not to mention Resident Evil Four. All now, right. I want to bring this up because. One, because it's widely considered the best Resident Evil game. And two, because the remake is coming out in a couple of months. Mm. So if you haven't played this game, and the remake looks awesome. So if you haven't played this game, this is like your chance to be able to play arguably. Like I had mentioned earlier how I said the Dead Space is arguably the best survival horror game ever made. Yeah. The people on the other side of the fence are arguing that Resident Evil 4 is the best survival horror game ever made. So it's not a mystery that both of these games are on my list because they're both so good. The original came out on like GameCube and PS2 uh, and it was just so good. It still had like some kind of tanky controls. You couldn't well, – the, the controls weren't tanky so much as that you couldn't like shoot and walk at the same time, which we kind of take for granted now with third-person games. But uh, it was um, – there's something about the atmosphere you play as Leon Kennedy. You're trying to find the president's daughter who's been kidnapped and you're in this like weird town in Spain where like all of the people seem to be a part of this like religious cult and then you find out that it's like intertwined with the Umbrella Corporation and all this crazy shit's going on and people are getting infected and yeah. of course you know you're going to have your your standard like that's where they have like the the guy with the bag on his head with the fucking chainsaw chasing you around and like it's uh <laughs> and like even the villains like the villains the characters that are the villains in this in this game are so good um there's like a little like napoleon bonaparte type character who's like super creepy um i don't know it's just it's very good even like the whole and there's something there's something really like Resident Evil does this really cool thing and they – I was him-hawing and I don't mean to steal your thunder if you're going to bring this up. But I was him-hawing between this and Resident Evil 2 Remake because when it comes to like uh, Resident Evil games mm-hmm. to bring up because to me like the first-person games are cool. I haven't played Village so I can't comment on that. I liked Resident Evil 7 a lot for being a first-person game but – even though it has the same kind of spirit, there's something about it that just doesn't feel the same as like there's there's something so cool about how Resident Evil has the ability to make you feel on edge 
all the time with the ammo scarcity and the way that enemies are chasing you and all this stuff. And then you can find these safe zones that make you actually feel safe and like relax. Like you find the rooms with the typewriters and there's like this, this music and it feels really kind of chill. And like, you can almost imagine like resting there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so there's something really neat about the way that the res, those, those, third-person Resident Evil games really kind of were able to sort of control your emotions as you go through the games from, like, stressed to not stressed. And and even, like, the the merchant is really cool in Resident Evil 4. I like the way that the, the weapon upgrades and stuff work in that game. Um, I don't know. It's just... It's it's just a really good game. And I know, Fred, I don't think you've played it, have you? No, I've never played 4. So, uh, yeah, so I would definitely recommend that you play it whenever it comes out, the remake comes out, because oh, I, 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 I might actually to. buy the remake, because I'd like to try games. it. So, um, but that's that's basically what I have to say on Resident Evil 4. Good, good. And I am going to kind of do a spinoff from what you said. So my, my number one game, just based on innovation alone and the absolute terror of playing it um resident evil 7 uh in vr yeah unbelievable experience i if if you want to get the shit scared out of you and you haven't played resident evil 7 play it in vr for the first time and don't take the headset off don't ever play it on a flat screen go through the whole fucking thing in vr i ask you to do that like it is a challenge i challenge you to do it it is absolutely more terrifying than any haunted house. It's scarier than uh, probably a lot of dreams you've had, nightmares. It's it's absolutely uh, – so the first-person thing, I get what Jake's saying and I get what you're saying. It, it, on a flat screen, I agree with you, but there's nothing – there's nothing that can compare to playing – that game, completely in VR, front to end, not knowing what's around the fucking corners. Like, it is absolutely a shit show, scary mo- thing. Like, you don't know. Like, my first time in that game, when uh, she comes crawling up the fucking stair- stairs in the attic, you're in VR. Oh, my God. It's fucking terrifying. And then when you, yeah. have to, when you leave the house for the first time and you step out into that wooded area... And it's like a bog and you got the fucking headset on and you're just like, what's going to fucking grab me? And like, it's just, it was, it was overkill. I don't know why I did it. Uh, I wanted to do it and I did it and I'm, it's one of my proudest gaming accomplishments and I didn't get any kind of crazy trophies or anything, but I played that game through front to end in VR and uh, I've never had an experience like it prior or since. And I cannot wait until they do this with with uh, Resident Evil uh, Village. Um, I can't. It's because I'm gonna do. I'm doing it. I'm doing. Even though I've already played Village, I kind of have an idea of what's happening. Yeah, it's still gonna be fucking creepy as shit. I definitely think that the VR component of of Resident Evil Seven was amazing. I do think that like if there's one. If there's one thing that kind of holds back Resident Evil 7, it's not the first person. But I think it's that all of the enemies in that game are exactly the same. Yeah. 
other than the the obviously the family that is like the fucked up family that is chasing you around and stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. The like all of like the generic enemies, with the exception of like one or two people, are exactly the same. And I think they had to do that to make it work. Maybe on PSVR a little I don't bit. Know. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure, but I get the impression that Resident Evil Village is quite a bit more. Um, is, is quite there's quite a bit more to it, and so I'd be curious to see how well it plays in VR. Though I've also heard that Village is a little bit more. Uh, they don't they don't give you like ammo scarcity and stuff so much like they did in the original games. Like there's it's a little bit more combat heavy, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm curious how that how that will play out in VR. Uh, it, it will be. Yeah, it's definitely more combat heavy, but the enemies are a little bit more spongy for for taking taking damage. So it it still puts you on edge a bit. Fair enough. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to play that in VR, man. And I I can't wait to see the uh, the merchant in VR. It's gonna be so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. is that it for the list. Uh, or do you I have think one more? We got two. I think we have two more. Uh, I don't I have, have any more. more. Oh, then I have one more because okay. you went first. Yep. What's, okay. what's the last one? So, so my last game and then I wanted to – so – and then I thought maybe we could just ha- like make some comments on games that – so after I say this, I was thinking maybe we could have some comments on games that maybe are not necessarily horror games but have like – have like spooky components to them mm-hmm. that we find kind of neat. Like I don't know, you know, maybe I'll just bring up some ideas and then you might think of something because I know we didn't talk about this beforehand. But I was just kind of thinking about this a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, earlier when I was coming up with my list. But my last game on here for, you know, my five favorite games, I guess. I mean this list could change any day, but is uh, the first Dying Light game. Oh, which is uh, was made by the people that made the first Dead Island game. It's a open, excuse me, an open world zombie game, but it has this really neat mechanic where like there's two really neat mechanics in it. One is the parkour system mm-hmm. for the it, they, they somehow they they somehow are able to do parkour in first person and make it work and not look super janky and weird and. And you can like basically run and scale buildings and do all this crazy shit, and it's it's really cool. The other aspect of the game is the day night cycle, yeah. Where like the zombies are like your traditional slow kind of plotting, relatively harmless zombies in the daytime, but as soon as nighttime happens and the sun goes down, they go fucking bananas, and they'll just like chase you, and it kind of like the what was it in The Last of Us? They were the Freakers, the ones that would like chase you around the last at full was, speed. No, freaker, Freakers were – maybe they were. I thought Freakers were in uh, the motorcycle game, Days Gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm thinking of uh, – because there's the Clickers and then the ones – whatever. The ones that haven't quite gone full clicker and they like – no, those are the those are the big heavy ones. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, they're like they, they they somehow get invigorated at night, and they'll like if they see you, they'll fucking chase you. Mm. 
and they'll like gang up on you and stuff and you have to like run and try and find a a source of light that you can hide under so that they won't um they won't attack you because there's like certain safe areas that you can get to and uh even like the crafting aspect of this game where you could build weapons like melee weapons and shit like that was really cool Mm -hmm. i thought the melee combat in this game was really great and then there's like this element where like the even the human bad guys, like the factions that you come across are really – like it's a cool dynamic right. to the game. Yeah, yeah. How they're they're like a mob basically. Um, and I say mob as in like the mafia, not like uh, you know, like a gang of people. So um, I don't know. It's, it's just – I thought it was really, really refreshing and really neat for this game to be in the zombie genre but be able to do something that was quite a bit different. Especially in the first-person perspective. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree, man. I think that game was cool, and it's actually on my list. I just didn't pick it for my top five. Um, good choices, man. Look, let's let's recap the list real quick, and then we'll go into maybe some runner-ups. Is that what you want? We don't have to go into detail. We'll just throw the game names out. Sure. Um, so we it was PT Soma, The Evil Within, Dead Space, The Quarry, The Walking Dead Season One, Outlast, Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Seven VR, and Dying Light. So that's a great list. Hell of a list. Good job, Jake. Uh, so if the listeners are looking for a Halloween game to play, any of those will do the trick. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, so a couple other games that I had on my list. Obviously, you guys know I've been playing Darkest Dungeon. That feels good this time of year to play just because of the narrative and all that stuff. It's kind of fun. It's not scary. It's just a good Halloween game. Along with that, I had The Witcher 3 on there. Uh, because of the monsters and the different things that you encounter as Geralt. Uh, these are a little lighter. You know, I had Dark Pictures Anthology. Um, the Little Nightmares th- series was on mine. Uh, didn't make the cut. Um, zombie, just Zombie with an eye. That game was really fun, but it didn't quite hold up to these other ones. Um, Dead Nation I thought was really fun. Uh, over the top, kind of like just a, a game that came out a long time ago on PS3. I liked that one. And then, obviously, I put Days Gone on there and then the Last of Us series. Um, but I, I think these are more scary Halloween, the, the, the ones that we, we, we went with. Jake, what, what other Yeah, there's a lot of – there were a lot of games like – and obviously, we could pick stuff like Castlevania <laughs> right, right, and, right. and shit like that, which would which, – that would fit the theme really well. But, you know, it's not a game that I'm playing. Like, I'm not going to play Castlevania because it's Halloween. I'm going to play Castlevania because it's a dope-ass fucking game whenever the hell I want. Um, But so, like, I had a couple of just, like, honorable mentions sort of sidebar kind of comments of things that I thought were really – that are really cool components. One of them is – the game, and you have to play this in VR, is Thumper. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Which is just so fucking – the game, it's a rhythm game, but it somehow manages to be incredibly spooky. The atmosphere, mm-hmm. the the music, like the enemies that you fight at the ends of the – at the ends of the levels and stuff. It, it's just – it's that it's just atmospherically so good, and I could definitely see somebody – sitting down and considering this being like a spooky game or, or, or like something that just puts you in the mood in a, in the season of Halloween. Um, then there, then a couple other things that were just kind of like elements of games or, or like quests or missions or stuff that I thought were really cool was, uh, in, you never played Half-Life two, did you? I think years ago, like when I was like a so, teenager. So Half-Life <laughs> two has this, 
mission called We Don't Go to Ravenholm. And it's the rest of the game is it it has like some kind of spooky elements to it, but like we don't go to Ravenholm is like a fucking it's like that that whole episode is like a little mini horror game where you go to this town that's like just spooky and abandoned and like there's all these like shambling enemies and stuff that are yeah. coming after you and like it's just very they could take that mission and kind of build a horror game around it if they wanted to uh another thing was the the part in you did play bioshock infinite right yes so spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played bioshock infinite which is fucking you know whatever 10 or 12 years old at this point um you should because it's one of the best games ever made probably the the part i don't know if you remember the part in that game where you and elizabeth where you go into that uh alternate reality where it's like Columbia has gone to shit and everything is super dark and there's like the boys of silence who have like those big fucking and uh like speakers on their head. Oh yeah, I do remember. And everything that. is really dark and you can't make any sound otherwise they like screech these noises. Yeah. It's uh it's fucking spooky and it is really <laughs> really cool. And that section of the game is really dark. Just like the last thing that I'm going to mention, and we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast, but there's a specific mi- mission in Cyberpunk where you're yeah. tracking down a serial killer, and and like it's very, very, very creepy and very cool. And there's just like – so I just wanted to kind of bring a couple of those things up. I don't know the name of the mission in Cyberpunk. It's like the one you do with the cop, and it's like his nephew gets kidnapped or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's just – there's so many – and I was kind of scrolling through the list, like the Halloween sale list on the PSN today. Yeah. And there's a lot of games in there that I've never even heard of before. Now, I'm sure a lot of them are might be junk or whatever, but there's a lot of like Halloween-themed stuff that, that you can play if you want to. But if you really want a good scare – I mean, a scare might not be the right word, but if you really want a, a good experience atmospherically this time of year, pick any of the games from this list that we talked about. And obviously, like, you know, there's other stuff that we mentioned, but we didn't put on the list, like um, Until Dawn or Resident Evil 2 Remake are both very, very good, scary games, yeah. in quotes. And obviously, you know, you had mentioned the Dark Pictures Anthology. Mm-hmm. And there's the chant. There's a ton of out stuff out there. Awesome, chant is coming We're out. We're getting close yeah, to a so, protocol soon. I mean, there's all kinds of yeah. Things. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, very good. Well, let's keep the podcast rolling. Like I said, this is our special Halloween episode. It's gonna be a little longer, and uh, we're happy to do that for you. And uh, Sean, our Patreon, our patron on Patreon. Sorry, um, he he wrote in and he wanted to contribute. So uh, I want to say thanks to Sean first of all for um, taking some work off our shoulders and helping us make our podcast a little more interesting. Maybe for those who want to hear a review here and there. Um, now, what I wanted to do was he gave us two different write ups for the Evil Within two. This didn't come up on it did come up on our scary games list, but it didn't make the list. Evil Within one came up, but he. Uh, he did a write-up for The Evil Within 2, and he said it was his third playthrough of The Evil Within 2. The first time he played it, he was fresh off of playing the first one, so he was comp- uh, comparing it to the predecessor in all aspects. The most recent playthrough, he analyzed it as a standalone game in an attempt to remove any bias from comparing the sequel to its original, which I, I appreciate. 
Um, he said The Evil Within is in his top 10 favorite games of all time. And uh, he said he platinumed after dying 500 plus times to beat, beat it in Akumu mode. Um, should have taken a picture at the end screen that shows how much you died during the gameplay. Uh, he said he's written both reviews, read whichever you want. And uh, so he, uh, I'm going to read his review of The Evil Within 2 as a standalone game. Um, sure. And I'm going to do that because I hate uh, things getting a bad re- – like, like I just talked about how the quarry often is reviewed against Until Dawn. And it's like mm-hmm. just look at it as its own thing. So appreciate you giving us the option, Sean. I'm just going to read this verbatim of what Sean wrote, and uh, we're going to move on to some other stuff on the show. So here we go. Thanks again, Sean. Overall, The Evil Within 2 is a good game that every fan of the survival horror genre should play. Graphically, it holds up well five years later, thanks to a couple of updates that unlock the frame rate and address gameplay issues. Given that this game is not a fast-paced action-adventure or Call of Duty-style game, first-person shooter, the control scheme handles really well. Control inputs to our protagonist, Sebastian, result in timely responses on-screen regarding movement of the character and switching between sighting in and employing ranged weapons. I can say as much about the melee combat. Sebastian, more often than not, would swing a melee weapon in a direction I... Oh, can't say as much. Sorry. He says, Sebastian would often... Uh, more often than not, would swing in a melee direct, uh, weapon in a direction he didn't intend with a noticeably delay between the controller input and the action on the screen. The upgrade system is complex enough to tailor gameplay to your style, but not so complex that it overwhelms the gamer. The resources for upgrading are abundant, just enough to entice exploring your surroundings while keeping your character on pace with the challenges you'll face, but not so readily available you'll be able to max your character out on a single playthrough. That, coupled with the difficulty modes and weapons unlocks after beating it, invite you back for subsequent playthroughs. Story-wise, the game doesn't really have you questioning what's going on at any point. You're simply on a mission to save your daughter. It says as much on the game case. And you'll experience the story through uh, in roughly two acts, uh, with the first part tapping into the early days of sandbox-style open-world activities with plenty of areas to explore and a manageable number of side quests to experience. The second part is more linear in its chapter design and serves well to refocus the player on the main task and provide a timely change-up from the open-world aspects of the first act. The characters you interact with and any bosses you'll fight are relatively forgettable, but the story you experience is an enjoyable one. Overall, The Evil Within 2 is, isn't going to be a life-altering experience, but it will be an enjoyable experience in the survival horror genre. There's enough game to explore and hidden items to bring you back for a second playthrough. And coming in at roughly 12 to 18 hours of playthrough, it's unlikely you'll experience game fatigue. So thanks so much, Sean, for that. That's, uh, that's a very nice write-up. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, it. Was a good- it was a good write-up, and honestly, like no spoilers, kind of makes me thank you. <laughs> it makes me, yeah, it makes me feel, but it makes me feel good, kind of seeing that, um, his sort of experience is similar to mine, where he said that you know the evil within the first one is like one of his favorite games, and like the second one is he likes it, but it's you know it's not as doesn't seem like it hits as hard. It's not as memorable as the, as, right. as the first one. He did also um, contribute his top five games. Do you mind if I read them real quick? Because he sent them to us. Sure. Uh, Go ahead. Number one, Last of Us. Number two, The Evil Within. Number three, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Number four, Silent Hill 2. And number five, The Last of Us Part 2. It's a good list. Can't argue with it. It's a good list. Yeah, we didn't have – so I kind of – Wondered if anybody would mention the fact that we don't have a Silent Hill game on the list, and that's quite frankly because I've never played a Silent Hill game. Neither have I. So, 
So, and I know that's a, that's a little bit of a hole in my gaming history, but maybe when this Silent Hill 2 remake comes out, uh, it'll be something that will get me interested in going into the genre. But yeah. Very good. Good review. Well, uh, we are going to push our Hot Wheels Unleashed conversation to the next episode because this is our Halloween episode. So Jake hasn't played this game yet, so I've started with it. I'm enjoying it. It's nothing to like write home about, but it's not shitty by any stretch. So we'll get into that conversation. If you want to join in on that conversation, you can still download this PlayStation Essentials game and uh, join us in the conversation next episode for Hot Wheels Unleashed. In the meantime, Jake, we need to move on to the news before our show gets a little before people get podcast fatigue from us. Um, so the first one is interesting. And for those who, who have listened to the show now know that we've switched to discord for our audio and for our YouTube videos. And uh, so the thing is, is that the voiceover IP and discord integration seem to be coming in March of 2023 to PlayStation. And according to push square via Tom Henderson, who's like an industry insider, um, he's stating that it's going to be rolling out on March 8th, 2023, and there's actually going to be an update, or there has been an update to the Discord mobile app that showed PS5 and PS4 functionality. And uh, the rumor has it, until it's verified, is that PS5 will integrate Discord voice chat, but PS4 users will only be able to display the game they're playing on their Discord handle. So if you want the VOIP, it's only going to speculatively going to occur on the PS5. Opinions on that, Jake? It's a big deal. Yeah, it's great that they, they're adding Discord in, uh, integration because I know there's a lot of people who want that because it'll allow them to chat with their friends across multiple consoles and multi, like PC and stuff too, not just on PS5 or PS4 or whatever, uh, which is really, really cool. I wonder if they're going to do like true integration on playstation as opposed to like on xbox you have to use your phone to fucking attach your xbox to a channel that you want to talk to and it's a little bit clunky i mean you can get on there but it is a little bit clunky to set up so i wonder how it's going to play out on playstation but this is a good feature to have for sure yeah i agree i don't i don't know i didn't bring this up and i don't know if you noticed this or not but when you called me to start this this podcast Mm -hmm. the the ringtone for Discord automatically changed to like a spooky Halloween theme. Oh, really? It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah, Discord's kind of cool like that. They always update it with little things. Um, next news point. This one's kind of interesting. I didn't even know this was happening. I haven't do- I haven't really dived into this franchise. Um, but Hitman Three, uh, uh, IO Interactive have released a breakdown of their new free update to Hitman Three. And they have a mode. It's a roguelike version of Hitman 3, and it's called Freelancer. And this video actually looks like it could be a standalone Hitman game. It looks awesome. So the way it works is that there's like – it starts off with, a, you know, you have a mission, and then you go, you pull off this job, right? And then you have another mission, and then you get a boss you have to take out. If you die at any point, it brings you back to the beginning. But you have hmm. to do these missions, set up everything, and after you take out that boss, you get more missions after that boss. And then you eventually get to cut the head off the snake, so to speak, at the end if if you're good enough. And uh, it looks like with the rewards that you get for each of these missions, you have a flat that you that you live in and you can just kind of hang out in there and you can like – you know, purchase weapons or upgrades or whatever for your next mission and see like an arms dealer or something. It looked really cool. Um, 
and uh, a neat idea. Now, I'm usually kind of against these roguelike experiences because they don't really sit well with me normally. But Hitman, it makes sense because you're you are a Hitman and stealth is the thing. And like, if you can't get out, no more hits for you, right? It's over. <laughs> so if interesting, yeah, pretty cool. And they have a trailer on YouTube that you can check out for this. It's pretty exhaustive. It's pretty long. Um, I didn't even know they were working on this, and I uh, haven't heard a lot about the Hitman series in a while, so that's a nice welcomed news point to the show. Jake, you got anything on that? No, I was just I just kind of scrubbing through the trailer now. It looks really neat that you have the ability to. I mean, people love Hitman. And this is the type of game that would probably suit this this gameplay style very well. Yeah, because it's like it's mostly about the gameplay it's not a there's no like real crazy story elements or anything i mean there there probably are but like you have the ability to just sort of kind of see how far you can get as a hitman yeah you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. if you die you fucking die but i don't know it's cool <laughs> all right next news point jake and uh, this one was kind of interesting um call of duty modern warfare 2 the new game that just came out the physical copy of the game, and Jake, you've been saying this for a while on the show. Physical copy of the game only has 72.23 megabytes of data on it. Uh, the game itself, when you download it, is 150 gigabytes. So essentially, you're purchasing a CD to take you to the digital download of the game on the store. Um, so interesting. Uh, Which is fucked because you probably still have to have the disc in your console to play the game when you buy it that way. Yep. Because that's your license. Yep. So, so at this point, why the hell are we even buying physical versions? If like, because to me, the reason why I like the idea of having a physical disc, what I don't like is getting up and fucking putting it in my console and having to change it out yeah if i could buy a physical version of the game and it would unlock a digital download and i didn't have to put the disc in i would do it because i like having it on my shelf you know but here it's like okay well you got to do the same shit anyway but like you you're getting a digital game which is great but you still have to put the fucking disc in and it's like okay well now you're just buying it you're not even buying a game anymore you're just buying a piece of plastic with a license code on it so this – so people make that argument that like physical games are going to prevent us from being strand – like games being stranded because they're digital only and they're not available anymore and blah, 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 blah. Well, this basically is just – is negating all of that because if you – you know, 10 years from now if – or 20 years from now, if Activision decides, fuck it, we're just going to blow up our server that's got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 on it. Good luck. You're screwed. You've got a disc that does nothing. So it, it's it, they did. The, I think they did the same thing with Halo Infinite as well. It's like, and this is this is what's going to happen with the. I think this is basically the future of physical games mm-hmm. on console until they're gone completely. There has at this to be point. A- I would much go ahead. I was just going to say at this point, it almost makes more sense to have like these collector's editions where it's literally just the physical shit that you want. And then a download code in there, so yeah. you can get a digital version of the game. Yeah. Like to me, that's that's a better solution than giving you a disc. Like, why even waste the money printing the fucking disc? It doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, here's the other thing. There's another aspect of the whole thing that maybe people are overlooking with having a physical product. Presence. Um, when you walk the store and you see 
the cardboard standouts on the on the end end caps for these big games, and you see them on the shelf stacked there. It's free advertising for your game um, if it's catchy enough and it's sweet enough looking, right? So there's they can get their title name in every Walmart, and then essentially people are going to be walking by and seeing it, right? So there's that free advertising right there. Um, you can't you can't really do that if you're only digital. So I don't know. Sure, but they could they could you know like I said you could instead of making the disc you could give them some kind of freaking trinkets and shit with a download code in there. Yeah. The, the whole problem, the, my whole issue with it is just that like the, the the inconvenience of having to stick the fucking disc in my console even though there's nothing on it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I hate having – and when I was get, getting the downloadable content for Shadows of Rose for Resident Evil, uh, whatever it's called, um, Village, I forgot that I did purchase it because I got it on a, on a deal online for real cheap. And uh, I bought the disc version because it was cheaper than the PSN version. And I remember us having that conversation. You're like, I'd rather pay more money to just have the digital version. So when I went to download the DLC, uh, I had to reinstall the game from the disc because I deleted the game. And then I had to find the disc and I put it in and it just was spinning for like, I don't know, fucking forever. And I was like, God damn it. You know, JK is kind of right about this. But uh, the case I have is is a cool steel case. Anyways, let's go, let's go to the next, next news point here. The... Uh, you guys know Kojima Productions. You guys know what that's all about. It's Hideo Kojima, the, the Metal Gear God, his uh, the uh, the Death Stranding mastermind. Um, so here we go again with his cryptic messaging. Uh, he stated recently, not only will Kojima Productions' new project change the video game industry forever, but also the film industry will be changed irrevocably. <laughs> And Kojima Productions are already currently working on two projects, and we already think that one of them is a sequel to Death Stranding. He was quoted in an interview with The Guardian, quote, It's almost like a new medium. If this succeeds, it will turn things around, not just in the game industry, but in the movie industry as well, end quote. And I have to say, he's got to be talking about VR, right? Like, he's got to be talking about VR. What else could he be talking about? What could change the video game and movie industry forever that he's possibly doing? Has he figured out a way to crack the code for VR to make it so fucking immersive and amazing? And he goes on to talking about how, like, he has no problem being a trailblazer, you know, and sometimes a lot of the weight is on the people who do these things first because it hasn't quite caught on yet. Someone has to say, I'm doing this, and then the thing fucking starts. So I'm curious. This could just be a bunch of PR talk. Kojima, who knows what the fuck he's talking about? But I like it. I think it's VR. I don't know. I mean, it could be VR, but you're sort of pigeonholing your audience if you have VR compo- like VR in your game, unless it's like a component it doesn't necessarily have to be the whole game. We said it's almost but like a new medium. Part of me wonders, and this this is this is probably almost certainly not the case. But what if he's got all of these games in development? And what if like and he's got something for Microsoft and he's got something for PlayStation, he's got something for everybody and he's got a film going on or whatever the fuck he's doing. What if he makes all of these games mm-hmm. for all these different people but somehow they all interact with each other. Like literally. Not like this story is in the same universe as this story. But like literally when you do things in this game, something happens in that game. 
And it's all like, you know, in the fucking cloud and shit. Yeah, dude. Cause that, I, I mean, Kojima know. like signed on with Microsoft because he was really interested in the cloud computing, the Azure stuff and all of that. So I have to imagine it has to have something to do with interconnectivity between all of these consoles and, and that cloud was, and yeah. – and that was the focus you know, for it, Death Stranding, the interconnectivity of everybody, right? Like that was the And they, they yeah, they dabbled in that with like the the rating system where you could rate people's fucking paths that they left and like you could leave ladders for other people and all that stuff. And so part of me wonders if that was just like him dipping a toe in and now he's gonna do something fucking off the wall with it. I mean he he has a history of doing just really bananas off the wall shit, like whenever Whenever you did the – in the original Metal Gear Solid, during the Psycho Manus fight, you would have to like fucking unplug your controller and plug it into the other controller port on the console and like yeah. do all this shit to like beat him because it, – it, and it was just – and Psycho Mantis would like read what games were on your memory card and like – and, and uh, taunt you about it and stuff. So like there's a lot of cool things that he's done in the past. I do think a little bit of this is just like lip service, feather fluffing. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that he does. If anybody's going to do something crazy, it's going to be him. What if he? Whether he makes, yeah, he might not make any money at all on it. But I think he would be willing to do something absolutely asinine. What if he has found a way to update game environments in real time somehow, or to like do like real time events? On like a much grander scale or like something I like – see. Could you yeah, do that with movies? Him. Could you change a movie with someone sitting in a theater and watching it? Could you do something so that your experience is different than somebody else's just update something in real time? Sure. I mean you just have different scenes and have scenes where they all cut together. If it's I all mean, digital. It, yeah. It, it's uh, – it's, that's a good idea. That's a good point because like um, – Whoever did the – I can't remember. I can't pull their name out of my ass right now. But whoever did Microsoft Flight Simulator, they used the Azure and the power of the cloud and all that fucking PR speak to essentially make it so that when you're flying around, the weather and everything in the time. part of the world is real time. It's all based on like what is going on in the world at that moment and you can – it actually consumes maps and stuff and you can find your house and like all that shit in there, which is pretty cool. I mean it's not like – it's not like a true graphical representation of my house. Like you don't fly over – like because I did this because I wanted to try it and you know I could fly over and I could see – you know there, there was a building there for my house yeah. and my barn but there wasn't like obviously – there was no definition to it. There wasn't like my pool and my fucking Still dog fucking out in the cool. yard and like all this kind of shit. But it's cool, right? And this is just the beginning. So imagine if a company like the company that did uh, Flight Simulator does this, what somebody with a mind like Kojima could do if they get a hold of it and think about just the crazy way that you could interact with things Manipulate in real time. games as people are playing them, yeah. I think that it's it's such a cool idea. Like he could conceivably make a narrative video game that that no two people have played. You know, it's like your experience is completely independent of what somebody else's experience because of all of the these factors that he's able to kind of use to calculate your fucking experience from the yeah. fucking cloud or whatever. <laughs> you know, like who knows? Maybe he's going to use like the camera to you know scan your face in and like i I have no idea the the world 
is Kojima's oyster, pretty much. And yeah. I think that he uh, – I'm excited to see what he's working on. But I will admit, like, I do get a little bit irritated with him just, like, constantly being like, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome for, like, fucking seven years. And nothing and then all of a sudden, and then, we, and then all of a sudden we see a game from him. And it's like, okay, this is really kind of cool and wild in Kojima, but, like – you know, we've just been hearing about it for he's so really fucking long. Just show us something. Yeah, he's just he's a great he's a he's a great uh, character. Brilliant in mind sure. too. Yeah. All right. Next news point, Jake. As we push through, apparently the Callisto Protocol canceled the release of their game in Japan after refusing to dumb down the violence in the game. The rating system in Japan, C E R O will not pass the game as it is due to the violence and the developers refusing to back down. So they're at a standstill. And uh, the Callisto Protocol is set to release December 2nd, 2022. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's not even China. It's Japan. And that's I think this is interesting. I think it's awesome that they're doing this. I mean, it's not awesome for Japanese gamers. It sucks that they can't play it. But they they shouldn't have to play a dumbed-down version of a game because of their rating system. And to be completely honest, Glenn Schofield and his team are probably – they're probably able to do this because Jap- Japan is probably not the biggest market for this game. They're, like they're, the difference in their sales is probably going to be not – they might you know sell a couple hundred thousand copies in Japan or something like that yeah. versus the United States where they'll probably sell millions of copies. So, I mean, it's not like a negligible difference, but it's probably small enough that they have the ability to kind of stand their ground on this and not lose all of – like lose their ass on the project. Yeah. And I, I think that – if and if the thing is is that if the game is big enough and if it's popular enough, it might put some pressure on the ratings board in Japan to be like, look, you guys are too tight. You need to loosen up a little bit because this is something that's people clearly accessible like people everywhere enjoy. else. Right, yeah. And the interesting yeah, thing I is, mean, though, I, is you know Sony is is a Japan company, so it's interesting that this is like on their home ground that this is happening. So I don't know. And then and Sony's pushing this game too, yeah, which is which is interesting. It's, really it's an interesting thought experiment for sure. Yeah. So speaking of the game, though, Glenn Schofield, like you mentioned, but he, the director, he's already indicating he wants to make a sequel to this game. Um, he did an interview with Inverse, and he said he wanted to make a sequel. While nothing. Oh, while noting, sorry, that the game is a complete game on its own. So don't be turned off by the fact that he's saying he wants to do a sequel. He said this is a good standalone game, as is, but he wants to do a sequel. He said there's a lot of opportunity here. So, cool. Dude, the game looks fucking great. I'm so excited to play it. Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you. it's it's, And I mentioned this before. I think it, it might be my most anticipated game of this year. Fair enough. I like it. So Yeah. Moving forward. Plague Tale... Requiem. Let's get back to this game real quick because I can't state it enough. Um, there was a Push Square survey asking their readers uh, what how they would rate the game. At the point that I looked at it, there were 160 users. 139 of them rated the game 7 or higher, and that's user reviews. And we know users can be really critical. Um, mm. So 7 or higher, 19 gave it a 10, 45 gave it a 9, 53 gave it an 8. Um, not bad numbers. I... I really can't say enough how much I'm enjoying this fucking game. It's, it's. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. I mean, you can wait for a deal, I guess, but you don't need to because it's not even seventy dollars. It's sixty, and uh, it's long. 
It's good. It looks beautiful. PS5 only though, I think. So um It's got a it's got a 83 on PS5 and an 85 on Xbox on uh Metacritic. So it's scoring very well, which is and, and honestly based on a couple of the reviews I've seen, that almost seems a little bit low. Yeah. I think so. Because I've heard that like some, some people that have played this game really fucking love it. And so I am excited to try it out. I my I just I get I'm so like overwhelmed right now because I'm so busy in the fall time that I play games so slowly that I'm just worried that I'm never gonna get to this. Like we still haven't done our Mass Effect 2 spoiler cast and you know be a Christmas at some point everybody. at some point we gotta play Mass Effect three, which is a big thing too so uh and and that's on top of the fact that we've got god of war coming out in a couple of weeks Callista protocol Resident we've got Callista protocol which we talked about um re4 remake there's a bunch of shit coming out early next year so pretty exciting i mean maybe i'm just gonna have to like take a week off of work and just play fucking 80 hours of video just games just do it man but... you owe it to yourself you work too hard anyways um <laughs> i just wish i had more vacation yeah 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 so London Studio, the folks who were behind Blood and Truth, and they were also behind The Getaway, um, both – well, Blood and Truth was a VR game and The Getaway was an old PS3 game that I really liked. But they're apparently making an online co-op fantasy game – excuse me, fantasy game. The game is not going to be VR related, which is weird because – I remember them boasting about their amazing mocap studio that they that Sony paid and had that put in over there. Um, and I think that, that was being used primarily for VR stuff, like Blood and Truth and shit. And mm. I don't know how that's going to be useful in a co-op, third-person fantasy, whatever, games-of-service probably kind of game. So I wonder who's using that mocap studio. Kojima, possibly. I don't know. Interesting. Mocap. I mean, mocap doesn't have to be VR related. I mean, no, it I doesn't. Know that team was that team was essentially making only VR stuff for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean they can't make something else. I am. I am curious to see what a Sony first party game in a fantasy setting would be like. I was kind of hoping that. You know, Naughty Dog would kind of go do something like this, something a little bit more off the beaten path for them. Yeah. Get out of this like modern, like era, realistic third person person thingy. I don't know. Yeah, like it'd be cool to see them do like a space game or something like that, or yeah. kind of like uh, Sucker Punch went back and they did, you know, Ghost of Tsushima and like Feudal Japan and. Um, this is cool though. I mean, I'm sure you know, Blood and Truth was a good game. So I'll be curious to see how – what they come up with here. Yeah, very cool. All right, next news point here. The – what was was my timestamp? Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. I'm trying to multitask. Um, Witcher, right? We've been waiting because CD Projekt Red has said the Witcher 3 next-gen kind of upgrade will be here by the end of 2022. Well, we've got two months and uh, when is it coming? So in a question that some random person asked the Witcher game, which is the official Twitter account for the Witcher games, regarding when the next-gen version is coming, their response was, quote-unquote, soon. So 
speaking of The Witcher, CD Projekt Red came out to state they are remaking the first Witcher game. And they're going to be using Unreal Engine 5. And previously, the company rolled out a plan that included multiple project titles. They've since indicated that the project title K9 Majoris is, in fact, the remake of the first Witcher game. The game is in early development. It's being tackled by Polish studio Fool's Theory. And that studio apparently specializes in RPGs per Push Square. And uh, some of their senior employees actually have worked on The Witcher Two and three, so don't get your uh, hopes up that this game's coming out anytime soon. Mm. But I think we're going to get The Witcher Three remake by Christmas, and uh, I thought that they said it was going to be a free upgrade. Now they might roll this shit back, um, so we'll see if I have to pay for it or not. But uh, <laughs> if it looks if it looks fucking bonkers good, I, I'm doing it. Uh, the Witcher 3 already looks good. I mean, they're not going to be able to do much to it to make it look hardly any better. So I'm not really all that interested in the Witcher 3 PS5 version. Remade in Unreal but, Engine uh, 5. It's not <laughs> – that's The Witcher 2, not Witcher 3. No, The Witcher 1, I think. Yeah. yeah no, The Witcher 1 – Remade in PS in in Unreal Five. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I would love to go back and play the first Witcher game, but like modernized. Yeah, I agree. But as far as like the like at this point, it's like, do people actually care about the PS Five version of The Witcher Three? I mean, that game's been out for so fucking long, and it already looks so good and runs so good on PS Five. Like, what can they really add or make to it? And why is it taking so long? Like I don't understand what is going on with this game. Because I guess maybe we'll see when it comes out. Maybe it'll be something crazy. The game's crazy, fucking huge. But of course it's going to take forever. I mean, the thing is though, like, I bet you they come out and they just blow people's fucking, I don't know, faces away. Like, we'll see. You're a little more optimistic about it than I am. Ah, it's because I love the game. I'm trying to keep hope. You know, trying to trying yeah. to stay excited for it. All right, next news point, Jake. I am really excited about that anyway, so we'll see. This next one's interesting, and you mentioned Naughty, Go- Naughty Dog earlier. Um, so this could mean a new a new remake coming down the line. It could mean something else completely. But Naughty Dog, uh, PlayStation Visual Arts and Naughty Dog are developing a AAA game. The game has yet to be announced, but PS- PSS, PlayStation Studios Visual Arts, specialize in mocap. Um, so maybe this is – maybe they're using the London fucking studio mocap place. I don't know. But I'd like to note the last time that these two teams, Naughty Dog and, and Visual Arts, teamed up, they did The Last of Us Part 1 remake. So is it possible we're getting another Naughty Dog remake? Uh, fuck, man. Uh, I'm worried. I hope it's something new, honestly, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I mean if they were going to remake a game, I mean – of their recent games. They didn't need to fucking remake The Last of Us Part 1. But I could – an argument could be made that remaking Uncharted Drake's Fortune would not be a bad plan because that game was pretty dated. I mean it, it looked – it doesn't look very good anymore. Um, and if they – let's say they went back to it with like the new models from Uncharted 4 and shit like that where everything is real, you know – high def and and shit but yeah i don't know i i think that it's cool but i don't i don't know and i don't really know if i care about any of this i I don't want to i got to the point 
I've gotten to the point now where I honestly don't necessarily care about any news points like this until I actually see something. Because this, some of this shit is just so, well, they're like... they speculate on, but yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. But Naughty Dog is, like, one of those stu- things where it's, like, we've been talking about, the like, five different fucking games you've been making... Mm. For the past two years, and you haven't announced anything. I haven't shown a shit. So, like, where the hell? Like, where the hell is factions? Like, you guys haven't even officially announced screen, that fucking game a, yet. A artist thing rendering of what factions might be. I mean, that wasn't enough for you. Yeah, okay, a still okay, frame yeah. of so, like artist art. <laughs> I mean, this game might come out and be like the best game that's ever been made, but it's just frustrating. Like it, it to me, it's like if we're not gonna get anything, like just fucking keep it. To don't yourself. even talk about it. Yeah. It's like the Elder Scrolls Six. Like, why did you announce it? I know it's coming out. Well, this game is unannounced. Like this is just something years. that people stumbled on. So, sure. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, and then in in other Naughty Dog news, the Uncharted PC port has been the has the lowest player count of any Sony game at launch. Yeah, because they fucking released the fourth game. <laughs> and not one two, through three. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I mean, if I was a player and I wanted to get into Uncharted, I wouldn't want to play the fourth fucking game first. On PC, right, where you can't get like, the why, other Yeah, games. why would you want to play the end of the story before you played the beginning? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so maybe this project they're working on is Uncharted 1 through 3 remake. It could be. I mean, that would be that wouldn't be a bad idea for them to do. Uh, yeah, would just fucking do something new, man. Come on. Fair enough. All right. Next point. Next point of news. Holy moly, the listeners are getting a treat today. Let me tell you that. No tricks. This is uh, just a quick passing note because I forgot this was even happening. But Dragon Age Dreadwolf, which is the the new Dragon Age game, um, it, it's it, they're through the alpha phase. And the Bioware has indicated that it is playable from beginning to end. So they're moving forward with this game. So, so be it. I wasn't a fan of Inquisition. I, I liked it, I think, when I was playing it. But hindsight, like, I, I didn't really like it. <laughs> it's actually pretty surprising that it's so far along. We haven't heard, like, anything about this game. I would have never expected it to be this far along, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, that's good, though, right? That's kind of what we've been asking yeah. for. And I and I hope it's, I hope it's good because... Inquisition was one of those games where, like, I really, really wanted to like it. But there was something about it that just didn't jive with me, and I ended up putting it down before I finished it. But I still put, like, 20 or 30 hours into it. Yeah. Maybe even longer. I just didn't finish it because it was felt fucking long as shit. Yeah. Yeah, it did. All right. So, Rocksteady, you know, the, the company behind um, Suicide Squad. Uh, that game's pretty much finished, so this news is, shouldn't affect that game so don't be too concerned but at the end of the year we're going to see a departure from rocksteady games so the co-founders sefton hill and jamie walker announced they're leaving the studio so they can pursue new adventures in gaming um chances are they're likely starting something together if they're both walking at the same time it's hard to say but that's a that's a valid news point worth talking about um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't have any opinions on it. I'm curious to see what they come up with, what they do, you know? I mean, it's just, but hey, it happened. I made this announcement, and I don't know, I'm imagining it's not on bad terms or anything. They were very heavily involved, I think, with the Suicide Squad game. So, um, that game's pretty much done. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Jake? Yeah, I mean, they're leaving at the 
at the end of a game's development. So it's, it's not like they're leaving in the middle and stuff like that. It, this kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in that, like, the timing makes sense if they were going to leave. Yeah, and those but... artistic types, right? We like to try new stuff. We like to get our hands dirty with different areas, so... Um, they might be sick of working on fucking DC comic games, and that's what WB wants them to make, and mm-hmm. so maybe they want to go do something else. Yeah, maybe they don't even like DC, you know? They're probably Marvel fans or some shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe they fucking hate Batgirl. They're probably going to work on the new G.I. Joe game, but uh, I don't know. Okay. That would, that would make my mind just so G.I. Joe fucking ass. That's what Naughty too. Dog is probably working on with Visual <laughs> Arts Studio. They're working on a brand new uh, narrative-driven G.I. Joe game. <laughs> it's going to be all about roadblock. Oh my god, no, no. If anything, they'd make it about <laughs> Snake Eyes, and I'd be just as pissed off, you know, because every, yeah, every- yeah, there's there's other characters in that universe. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I honestly like. I know this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I think that it would be cool if they're going to make like a narrative GI Joe game for them to do it about like fucking Cobra Commander or like Serpentor from the perspective like, of from the, bad the other guys. side, like like to see like what made you develop this like agency called cobra that you're just fucking the world up with like do they think they're doing the right thing i don't know like it's pretty interesting (laughs) he's just power hungry man anyways yeah 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 yeah. um so ps plus essential games have been announced for november it was speculative when i wrote the notes it's now since been confirmed per push square neo 2 we're getting neo 2 on ps5 ps4 we're getting heavenly bodies on ps5 ps4 and we're getting lego harry potter collection on ps4 i like that lineup it's a nice strong list of games don't know that i have room in my back catalog for any more but uh there's the list there's the list jake any of those stand out to you anything you you think you might actually try um maybe so just I'm sure that Sarah would be really interested in the Harry Potter collection. Yeah, yeah, I like so that. So that might be something that it would give us kind of a something to play together because she, she's a big Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. And that that's a game that would be really kind of neat to play around Christmas time. Harry Potter has a very Christmassy feel to it, you know. So, I mean, Heavenly Bodies is kind of like an interesting, puzzly kind of game. Deals a lot with like zero gravity and kind of – uh, ragdoll physics and stuff like that. Mm. Neo mm. two, like I imagine, I would like that game, but it's just too hard. I I can't I can't put the effort in to master that game. But my understanding is that it's very good. Yeah, yeah. I hate those games that look so awesome that I just can't. The the barrier of entry is too high. It's too expensive for me. I just can't do it. S- yeah. Skill sets aren't there. My time isn't there. Anyways, let's get to the last news point. You guys know that we had quite, quite a trailer at the Silent Hill thing. Jake and I didn't talk a whole lot about it because neither he nor I are known Silent Hill fans. We're not very vocal about what I've never played one. He's never played one. But we know there's a thirst out there. And uh, the good news is that Silent Hill 2 remake for PS5 has apparently been in development since 2019. Um, you know, we're just now kind of hearing about it. So it's well on its way. So there's a really good chance that this is going to release sooner than later. And the trailer that we saw, it all makes sense why it looks so polished and good. So it wasn't just like a clip of something. You know what I mean? That's just a, a little demo portion. Like I, I would venture to guess this game is well on its way to being released here. You know, first quarter 2023 would be my guess. But hard to say. 
Yeah, I uh, hopefully this is good. That's all I have to say. I mean, like I said, I'm not really tied to Silent Hill 2. But um, yeah. at this point, if it's a game and it comes out and it's not broken when it releases, it's a success. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah that, but, uh, and I am excited. I am excited to try it. But but the thing about horror games with me and, and just kind of to tie off the theme of the show is that for me personally, I have to be in the right mood to play these types of games. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just going to sit down and freaking play – you know, dead space. I have to be in the mood for it. Now there, there are times where that's an exception. Like I'll probably play Callisto protocol at launch unless something else gets in the way just because it's new and it's exciting. Yeah. But ordinarily, if I was just going to pick up a horror game or, or like a scary game, I have to be kind of like in a zone for that. So hopefully, I mean, maybe this will release around Halloween next year, which would be a good time for it to come out. People would definitely be interested mm-hmm. in it around that time period. So we'll have to see. It's really weird with the way seasons work and the way your brain works and memories work and stuff. Because I, re- I, you know, it, t- mainly Hallow- like like fall and winter for me, mainly, when there's a noticeable change in the environment. Uh, like, you know, I, I like the idea of the first snowfall and putting on a new game, right? And just like... Because you're always going to remember that game being like, oh, that was that so-and-so winter. Winter, blah, 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 blah. That's when I played that one. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice to start a new game with a new season, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, um, yeah, I, I think maybe Callisto Protocol in December would be awesome. You know? I think that would be – I think that yeah. would work. So, anyways, we don't have a list of new games. And uh, Played by Ken did tell us about a place where we can get new game listings. And it was PSN Deals, but he said it's very ad-heavy, ad so we're not encouraging you guys to go to that site or anything, but it does exist. But Push Square haven't updated their list yet. We're recording this Saturday morning. I have a, a, a concert tonight um, that is going to keep us from doing the recording this evening, so that's why we did it this morning. And then I got plans tomorrow, so um, we're going to try to get the podcast uploaded. I've been trying to upload the podcast a little early for our pa- patrons, actually, a day early so they can have early access, but... It's not written up in the Patreon uh, website, Patreon website that they are promised that. So I, I'm going to keep doing it when I can. And if I can't, um, you know, just don't let it become the expectation is that you're going to get the episode a day or two early. Uh, we're going to, you know, whenever we get them recorded, I try to get them on right away. But right now, uh, just for instance, Jimmy's coming over, our drummer from One Up My Land. He's got to pick up his drum kit. We're going to rehearse a couple songs at 1 o'clock. It's already 11. I still have to eat. Uh, spend some time with the wife and stuff. So I don't know my concerts. I got to leave around six. I don't know if I'm going to get this uploaded today. Today's Saturday. Might upload it Sunday evening, but at least we got the the bulk of it done. Um, but we'll see. So if you're hearing it earlier than that, uh, good uh, boon for you for the patrons. But uh, if you uh, just catch it on Monday, so be it. But thanks again for. Being a listener of the podcast, um, this has been a really fun episode. I really enjoy this time of year. Uh, it is winding down. Uh, the leaves are all falling off the trees, and uh, it's getting colder and colder every day, although we've been blessed with some nice weather. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope you've enjoyed that intro song. Uh, the video uh, on the YouTube channel, if you do watch it, it's going to be a little 
less high def than I want it to be. I put a lot of time into making it a couple years ago, and I thought I saved it just as a standalone intro, but I couldn't find it. So I had to rip it off of our own YouTube channel. So it's a little goofy, but the song is high def. I, I saved the song. Um, Jake, do you have anything you'd like to say before we head out? I, I mean, obviously, everyone have a nice Halloween. Um, my What I would like to say is that if you want to watch Hellraiser, watch the original movie first. Then be disappointed by the remake. Or maybe watch the remake first so that you can be fucking blown away by the original movie. Although I will say that maybe if you watch the original or remake first, you wouldn't like the original movie as much. I don't know what to say, but the original fucking Hellraiser is an awesome movie. And uh, that's all I have to say. I'm going to go outside and rake some fucking leaves, which is all I do between... Uh, uh, October and December. It's so yeah, and dude, it's not so cold here that the ticks have died yet. So make sure you're checking your ankles and all that stuff when you get in, because we found a tick. Fuck on. ticks! They, I eat them for breakfast. No, you do not, <laughs> dude. I did find a tick the other day. Yeah, there was one uh, on Charlie on the me. other day. He was sitting on the couch, and I saw it crawling in his hair. I took it off. Yeah. Do you have him treated for tick yeah. stuff? Yeah. For ticks? Yeah. You got to. Does it have him on like like he have him on like Brevecto That's or something? Exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is not a veterinary podcast. I was just curious. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to episode 247 of PS. This is awesome. We're getting closer and closer to episode 250. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. Sorry for making you listen to us rant about Halloween and, and scary video games for a really long time at the beginning of this podcast. But that's what it's all about this episode. So come back next week for just a regular episode. So like Bug Snacks, Bionic Commando Rearmed. And Bastion. P.S. P.S. This is awesome. This is awesome.